We have a long davening on Rosh Hashanah. We're going to have an even longer davening on Yom Kippur. You may have tuned out a lot of what goes on, but I'm assuming, as almost in every shul and every chazan, the crescendo of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, the emotional high spot, is the Nisan Tokif prayer. And the chazanim make it, make it, and somehow or other, that's something that sticks in our minds. If it doesn't, it really should. And the crescendo of that crescendo is, after the description of all the what God is doing and the angels, Uchuva, Utefila, Utsedaka, Maavirin, Esroa, Hagizera. Chuva, Tfila, Tzedaka, repentance, prayer. Tzedakah, charity, kindness removes the evil decree. And the question begs to be asked every mitzvah should be ma'avir in roa ha'gezera. What's so unique about these three elements that the author of Nisan Tokif thought to put them in specifically they are ma'avirin es roa ha'gezera. So I'm going to find the common denominator of these three activities, Tshuva, Tzvi, and why they uniquely accomplish Ma'avir and Esroa HaGezerah. We we'll also will try to along the way understand what does it mean a Roa HaGezerah? What's a bad decree? An e- a bad decree. So we have to start with another question, which I'm assuming should have been explored during Elul. The word tshuva, the root is shove, to return. And we've got to know to where are we returning. The classic stay well, we're returning to God. What does that mean? So just to amplify the problem, we have to read, we have to uh, learn the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah that talks about the Yud Gimel Midos, about the fact that there's a covenant with God that Hashem says, Right, uh, the, uh, the 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 statement of Rabbi Yochanan Il Mole Mikra Kosovo We would need a pasuk, otherwise we wouldn't be allowed to say it. And he talks about the Yud Gimelmidos. Not going to go into that now, except when the Gemara starts analyzing the Yud Gimelmidos, Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum Vechanun. So it starts by analyzing each phrase, and the first word that is analyzed is the first Hashem. Hashem, Hashem, Kel Racham Says the Gemara, what's the double Hashem? Ani, who, Kodem Sheyechta Adam, the Ani, who, Leacha Sheyechta Adam, the Tshuva. There's two Hashems. One is an Hashem of mercy before we sin, and the other is Hashem of mercy after we sin and do Tshuva. So I hope everybody is bothered. What does it mean? Hashem is of mercy before we sin? I understand I need Hashem to be merciful after I sin, but what does it mean that Hashem is merciful before I sin? Okay, so that's something we're going to need to understand. When we talk about sin, we talk about return, shuva. So, a sin creates a distance between us and Hashem. That's what sin does. The act of creation, when Hashem took our neshama and put it into a goof, 
that itself creates a distance between us and Hashem. So it's you've got to realize that even before we sin, there's an element of distance that's been imposed upon us. And we want to try to undo even that distance. And that's tshuva, shavuiz, we are returning to a connection with Hashem, and that's going to be the theme of everything that we're going to be talking about. We have to undo the distance that is created between us and Hashem. So the moral the Nesiva Tshuva, among, again, it's highly recommended that you study that between now and, and Yom Kippur. But the idea of eliminating the distance between us and Hashem through Tshuva, so the Maharal writes on a, a, a correct, deep, textual understanding of the Gemara that says, Shuv Yom Echad Lifnei Misoscha, do Tshuva the day before you die. Rabbi Loza says to his Talmidim, and of course, the Talmidim ask exactly the same question that you are all asking. If I say, do tshuva the day before you die, the question pops up, how do you know when you're going to die? And Rabbi Lazar's response was, so do tshuva every day. So the wrong way to learn pshat in that Gemara is to say the real message was do tshuva every day. But that's not what Rabbi Lazar said. Rabbi Lazar didn't say do tshuva every day. He could have said that. He said do tshuva the day before you die. Says the Maharal, the ikar tshuva is what he calls samuch lemisa. When a person dies, he is returning his soul to be reconnected with God, and tshuva would be the appropriate pre-step to that return. That's the ideal tshuva. We learn from this that the whole idea of tshuva is reconnecting to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. That we the sin distances us, and the tshuva reconnects us. That's why tshuva me'ava is so so profound and so powerful is because tshuva me'av is motivated by the distance that the sin was created. We're not afraid of punishment. We're not afraid of consequences. We're just bothered by the distance that the, that the sin created, and that motivates tshuva me'av, which creates the most intense reconnection with God. Says the Maral, a principle of tshuva, yesod gadol b'tshuva sheyit bayesh bal ha-tshuva. A person has to have be ashamed embarrassment. And the Maral talks about why that's so important. Because a person always, says the Maral, tries to remove himself from an embarrassing situation. When you do something wrong and you realize it, you don't want anybody to see you. But one who's embarrassed, says the Maral, is showing really, this isn't me. Tversky talks about the difference between guilt and shame. I think we mentioned it in one of the Shmuzin. I am ashamed of what I did because this is not me. My actions do not align with who I really am. So who are I? Who am I really? I'm a person with an neshama connected to Hashem, and the busha of the sin is a pre, is a, a powerful element of tshuva to show that the real me has a connection with Hashem. The real me has nothing to do with this sin. Part of tshuva is vidui. It's to be mode, to admit. The fact that I admit, the idea of hode, if you study all of this in the monetary laws, right, that a person who admits that he owes the money becomes chayev. When I admit to you, it really means that I had a responsibility to you and I'm acknowledging that responsibility. When you admit that you did a sin, 
when you're embarrassed and you admit you did a sin, you're acknowledging that you have a responsibility to the Almighty and that you did not live up to that responsibility. When you acknowledge that, what you're doing is you are reconnecting, you're admitting, I owe, I'm here to be, fulfill the purpose through which God, God put me here. I'm admitting that I fell short and now I'm reconnecting to my essence. That's a reconnection to God. So therefore we can have the idea that even before we sinned, we have the possibility of getting closer to God than that because of the distance that was imposed upon us by creation itself. Tshuva means to get closer to the source of our existence. Tefillah. So, the Maral quotes an important pasuk which gives us a very important lesson about tefillah. We're used to thinking the mistaken understanding of tefillah is that I have needs, God is up there, He controls everything, He might not want to give it to me, but if I beg hard enough, He'll give it to me. I'm asking God for Him to give me what I want. So, it sounds like tefillah, the purpose of tefillah is for me. Says the Maharal Pasuk, Zevach Rishoim To'eva. The sacrifices, and again, tefillah and korbanos parallel each other. Zevach Rishoim To'eva. The sacrifices of an evil person are an abomination to God. Tefillah Shishorim Ritzono. Says the Maharal, this proves that the benefit of tefillah is not for God. Because if it was for God, he wouldn't care how he's getting it. Who cares? When you're in a restaurant and the waiter is giving you service, you don't care what the waiter does on the outside of his life. You want the service. So the Havdil, the Maral proves that if the sacrifice of the evil person is an abomination to God, it means that the evil person is getting benefit from the korban. The evil person is getting benefit from the tefillah, and what benefit does the person get from korban and tefillah? Connection with God. That's what they get. And God doesn't want the connection with the evil person. So what do we see? How does tefillah create a connection to God? It sounds like I'm asking for my needs. So one of the things the Maral says is that by acknowledging God as the source of all resources, I have created a dependence on Him. Now, when we think of the word dependence, it has bad connotations in today's society. But I want to talk about a healthy dependence. See, the most intimate, the most intense dependence that two human organisms have is a fetus in the womb of the mother. That's maximum dependence. When the fetus is born into a ba- into an infant... There's still great dependence because the infant needs to nurse from the mother. It's dependent on the mother for needs. But the dependence is lessened. As the infant grows into a toddler, there's a little less dependence. To a child, less dependence. Until you get to be a teenager, then you're completely independent. So there is progressive dependence. Now let's talk about another dimension. Closeness. The closest two human organisms can have is the fetus inside the womb of the mother. You can't get any closer than that. When the fetus is born, the closeness is a little less, but it's still very close. 
An infant and the mother are very close. Toddler, close, not as close. Child, then a teenager, distance. We see that there is a correspondence between dependence, healthy dependence, and closeness. So when I make a declaration of dependence, the Brits will forgive me, declaration of dependence, instead of the declaration of independence. Declaration of dependence, what I'm saying is, God, I am dependent on you, I am close to you, I am connected to you. That requires an emotional commitment. We don't like to declare dependence. Because when we declare dependence, it requires us to be committed. It requires a commitment. It requires a, an emotional recognition of our responsibilities to God because the resources we have come from Him. And then when we talk about tefillah, part of tefillah is clarifying what resources are you asking God for and why. And that forces you to clarify your purpose. And when you do that and you acknowledge that God has is the source of those resources and I'm acknowledging my dependence and I have to answer the question that God could legitimately ask when you ask for the Jaguar. Could you please tell me, mister, why you want the Jaguar? So you've got to come up with a reason why that's God's agenda, part of God's agenda. So the Jaguar, you may not be able to answer it, but a lot of the things you ask for, you've got to be asking yourself, how does this align with my commitment to fulfill God's agenda? That activity creates closeness with the Almighty. Finally, tzedakah. So the Maral quotes Psukim. Rodev tzedakah v'chesed, a person who pursues charity and kindness. The implication of the Pesach is I'm looking to get charity and I'm looking to get kindness. Yimtza chayim tzedakah v'kavod. He will find life, charity, and honor. So right away you see that there's some kind of an imbalance here. So the, Mar- the Gemara basically explains that when it says Rodev Tzedakah V'chesed, we're not referring to the person who is looking to be a recipient of charity, but we're looking for the person who's Rodev Tzedakah V'chesed, he's looking to be, the, to be the bestower of Tzedakah V'chesed on other people. He's not waiting for the Shnor to come knocking on the door and he has to decide whether he should pretend that he's home or not home. He's going out looking for the people who need the tzedakah, who are looking for the people who need the chesed. And then it says, Yimtza chayim tzedakah v'chesed. So Yimtza tzedakah, what the Gemara says very nicely is, that if you're looking to give charity, God will bestow upon you extra resources to continue giving charity. Rode tzedakah, Yimtza tzedakah. There's another line in the Gemara that you'll also merit that you will yimtza tzedakah, you will find people worthy of the tzedakah. That's a big bracha to make sure that the charity that you give actually goes to worthy places. Where's the chayim fit in? Rodev tzedakah v'chesed yimtza tzedakah, yimtza chayim tzedakah. Where's the chayim? So the moral says, miyucha tzedakah ki ha mashpia le'acherim 
you are bestowing on other people. And the Mara also mentions the fact that when you give tzedakah, when you give charity, money, food to an ani, you are bestowing life. That it's the, the ani needs it. It's his life. So says the Maharal, your nichnas b'mida zot Hakadosh Baruch is the bestower of life. And when you are giving charity, you are imitating. You are using the resources that Hakadosh Baruch Hu gave you, and you are doing kiviyochel God's work. Have to appreciate the famous interchange between Turnus Rufus Harosh and Rabbi Akiva. Where Tanzuva says to Rabbi Akiva, you know, God doesn't like poor people. How do we know he doesn't like poor people? He made them poor. If he liked them, he would have given them money. And the real underlying question that Tanzuva is asking Rabbi Akiva is, God wants them poor. Proof? He made them poor. So how in the world are you giving them money and undoing God's work? And Rabbi Akiva's answer is, that we should have merit. So what Rabbi Akiva is really saying is that God wants them to have money. And he gave us the opportunity to do his work. That's an imitation of God. We are doing the work of bestowing life. That's a godlike activity. Why, says the Maral, is are we insured then of getting more resources? Rodev Tzedaka, Yim Tzachayim Tzedaka. So the Maral compares it to an underground flowing spring in contrast to a water cistern. So the underground flowing spring, if you've ever been at one of these, it just flows and flows and flows, and the water just keeps coming. Where is it coming from? It's coming from the underground sources. If you cap it, the water stops flowing and it finds a different direction to go. Says the Maral, this is the resources HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us. HaKadosh Baruch is the unending source of resources, the underground flow of resources. And as long as we're taking them and spreading them out the way the, the, the flow of the water goes, then the, it keeps flowing. But the minute we cap it, we hold them for ourselves, so then the, well, then the flow dries up. So the more we share our resources, says the Maral, the more our Kodesh Baruch Hu feeds us the resources so that we can keep sharing and flowing. But what's the opposite when we hold them to ourselves, says the Maral? Based on the Gemara. It's a person who is ma'alim enav minatzdaka. He ignores the tzedaka. Ki'ilu oved Again, we always have to point out that when Chazal use an X is like Y, there's not this isn't hyperbole. There's some underlying connection. What's the connection between holding on to my resources and oved So says the Maharal, based on the Gemara on the Psukim, is that when you hold your resources... The comparison between you and the person who shares is the comparison between the underground spring that continues flowing with a broken water cistern. A broken water cistern can never share the resources. It needs what it has. And in fact, if it's broken, it doesn't even have what it has because he loses it. Avodah Zara, says the Maharal, looks like a source of resources. But it's not. It's a fake. It has no resource. It has no way to flow. But if I hold on to my money, why don't I want to share my money with you? Because I'm afraid I won't have enough. So what am I saying? Who's the source of my resources? Me. Well, then you don't get more. And in fact, it's, you're, 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 you're missing the point. The source of your resources is the Almighty. But why is He giving them to you? 
to utilize for his agenda, for his purpose. The minute you hold on to them, so you're cutting off the flow, and you're basically denying the power that Hashem has. There's another aspect that the Maral adds, that it be from the Pasuk, is that when you hold on to your resources and don't share them with other Jews, he says, the Loshan of the Pasuk is that you don't share them with your brother. Imagine the following picture. Freezing cold, pouring rain, dark night, get a knock on the door. I, my car broke down down the block. I'm going up and down the block trying to collect some money because the mechanic won't come if I don't give him $50 in cash. Could you please help me? And you give the guy $5. Stranger, you don't know who he is. Give him $5. And I wish you good luck the rest of the block. I think you're at Sadiq. Let's change one element of the story. The person knocking on the door is your brother. And you give him $5. You're a pig. There's a difference how you treat your brother and how you treat a stranger. Giving $5 to a stranger, that's big, you're a tzaddik. Giving $5 to your brother when he needs 50? No, go, go, schnorr schnor from the rest of the block, that's not. Says the Maral, you've got to look at Jews who need money like your brother, and if you hold on to the money, that means you're saying, this isn't my brother. Says the Maral, you're disconnecting yourself from the unity of Klal Yisrael, and the unity of Klal Yisrael is what connects us to God. So again, you're disconnecting from God when you hold on to your money. And you're connecting to the unity of the, of, the, of the Jewish people and reconnecting to God when you give the charity. So the connection through tzedakah comes because you are imitating God, you are replicating what God does, sharing the resources, and you're doing it in a unification with Klal Yisrael, which is a connection to God. There's another, one other aspect. You, everybody knows the Rav Dessler. When you give, you get a closeness. You get, you develop love. So, says the Maral, that since we really can't tangibly connect to God, God is infinite, God is spiritual, when I connect to another Jew by giving him, that's a replication, that's a vicarious connection to God because that other Jew is B'Tselem Elohim. So I'm connecting to the Tzelem Elohim of the other person. That's a way to connect. All of these things. What's the common? We have discovered the common denominator. Each of these things. Tshuva, Tfilat, Tzedakah. Find a way to connect me uniquely to God more than any other mitzvah does. There's some tangible connection that is created with each of these things. What is Roa HaGezerah? Roa HaGezerah means that you are not going to get resources. That's Roa HaGezerah. We want good, we've got a good year, we want life, we want Parnassah, we want everything. So, Roa HaGezerah, an evil decree, means God's withholding the resources. When you're deprived of resources that you need, nothing can be more devastating than that. And there is a Roa HaGezerah. What causes the Roa HaGezerah? When you misuse the resources. Tzvi recreates that bond between you and God 
and that all the resources you get then become utilized for a divine purpose. God has to replenish the resources if you're using them for His agenda. One of the things you have to clarify in Rosh Hashanah is what kind of a person you are. Mamlich, I'm, I, I'm, I'm buying into God's agenda. Now you got to identify how your actions don't live up to your words, how you're not walking your talk. Tshuva Tzvilat reconnects you to God. When you do that, you are aligning your agenda with His agenda in practical terms. Rosh Hashanah was a conceptual idea. Now we've got to make sure that it happens in real life. And these are the things that reconnect you to God uniquely. They, they undo the barrier and when you're connected so then nothing, there's no distance. The tshuva undoes the distance that is created from the sin. The tefillah declares your dependence. You want to actualize His agenda, your tefillah, I'm asking for resources for your agenda, God. And then the tzedakah says, I am now going to take those resources and use them for the purposes for which I receive them. This is tshuva tzvila tzedakah ma'avir in Isroah and we should all merit that it should be fulfilled.